You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Becky Wealth Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Kate Constable here with you. Let's put a bow on our conversation concerning the 49ers and the Seahawks. And let's talk about props here because, Kate, Christian McCaffrey to score an anytime touchdown is minus 350. Minus 350. Is there some point when this is just ridiculous? Like how low is some, or how short is supposed to be something before you go, you know what? There's no way that I can bet on that. Because minus 350 sure seems like that kind of number. Yeah, that's that number. Definitely that number for me. I thought you were going to say like minus 180 or something, uh, but 350. Yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. I, at that point take him to score two touchdowns and, and get a much better number there or throw McCaffrey in a parlay with, you know, the Niners to cover or something like that, or a, a team total over knowing that if he gets in the end zone, that's going to help that other leg of it. But just laying 350 with for an anytime touchdown. Now I've, I've, I'll pass on that one. Yeah. Yeah. The same game parlays uh, should be the only reason why you would include something like that, because uh, other than that one affair where they went nuts and some, and they were trying to force CMC the ball and it didn't work out uh, other than that one. Yes, definitely. I think that should be uh, just fine here. Uh, but CMC to score the first touchdown at plus three twenty-five, That might be uh, something a little bit more appealing. Uh, certainly the public loves that one uh, per bet MGM. Uh, a lot of tickets on that one. Uh, but as far as what you're looking at for this 49, offense what stands out to you uh Brock Purdy <laughs> as we just talked about him in the MVP race uh his overpassing touchdowns one and a half I mean it's slightly juice minus 125 at bet MGM but completing 70 percent of his passes he's got 18 touchdowns on this season and last week against the Bucks three touchdowns 21 for 25 333 yards week 10 versus the Jags three touchdowns uh, 296 yards. So I just think that there's no way Brock Purdy is not passing uh, for more than one and a half touchdowns, even if McCaffrey's still getting in on, on the ground. Uh, I think the 49ers are going to put up a pretty big number today. So I like Purdy uh, for touchdowns. That certainly makes sense to me. Uh, I am going to back a Christian McCaffrey angle, but I like him to go over 33 and a half receiving yards in large part because I think the Seahawks defense is probably going to be playing back a good bit. And when you think of those vintage Kyle Shanahan 49ers offenses, uh, notably with Jimmy G, it's all about the act game, right? Like throw it two yards down the field and then let the receivers do the rest of the work. I wonder if we're going to see that. 
a bit of a throwback, uh, so to speak, from the 49ers. And if that's the case, then you know CMC is going to be targeted a good bit. So that makes sense uh, as far as him, you know, getting chunk yardage in terms of yards after the catch. I wonder if George Kittle also gets utilized a good bit as far as that. Because, and again, going back to most bet on props, uh, over 52 and a half receiving yards at minus 115, 99% of the bets are on the over here. Now, I would be careful as far as that's concerned because I do feel like when everybody is healthy, Brandon Ayuk is wide receiver one. Debo Samuel will also be targeted a good bit. And so I know there is that love affair with Kittle, but I am curious though, when it comes to everybody else being utilized, if say he might be that odd man out. It's something that was one of my priors coming into the season was, even though I like this 49ers offense, I wasn't sure if George Kittle would be utilized all that much, assuming everyone else is healthy. That is kind of the case in this upcoming contest. So that one I might be concerned by, but definitely the yak game is how I want to play this for the most part. And right away, I think Christian McCaffrey makes the most sense. Are there other targets, Kate, you feel like can also have big games if you also believe that this is going to be a 49ers throwback yak game? Yeah, um, I would prefer to take Kittle to score a touchdown versus his receiving yards mm -hmm. over because to your point of maybe utilizing some other players a little bit more now that everyone is healthy, I think Kittle will still get his targets, but maybe not get over this 52 and a half. But it feels like he finds the end zone quite a bit or at least has lately. Um or longest reception, talking about some some yak here. So I think that those would be the mm -hmm. two ways that I would play Kittle versus his receiving yards over. I mean, going back to McCaffrey, like taking his rushing yards over 75 and a half. He's gone over this in six of 10 games on the season. De Seattle's defense, 75 rushing yards or more in four of their last five games. So it feels like this should be a McCaffrey kind of back him in any way you want. You like receiving, I like rushing. Touchdown is pretty heavily mm -hmm. juiced, but I feel like any way you kind of want to look at McCaffrey in this matchup specifically uh, is probably a safe play. Yeah, definitely oh, for a prime time. Quick, like um, McCaffrey to not score a touchdown, plus 175. That would be, if you want to fade McCaffrey at all, that would probably be the way to do it. Oh, I couldn't do that. I, I mean, I know right? like there's probably, yeah, I I couldn't do that. Uh, the no, my, uh, I would prefer to take him at two Paul, than I would at no, I think. Right. Paul, do you have a case there uh, in terms of taking the no? Because we just saw it. That's my case. No. You have embraced recency bias as much as the Thanksgiving I'm journey. just. I'm never throwing a minus 350. Like, I'm never betting on that by itself. I'm never throwing it in a parlay. Like, I'm I'm just, I would hope for the opposite. I, I'm not saying this is a great bet. I just, like, I'm betting this 10 times before I ever bet minus 350 on a yes for a touchdown. And there is, I, it is actually, I was just more interested to see the price because you see some of these outrageous sure. yes numbers on touchdowns, and now there is a book out there that offers a no. So, no, I'm not pulling the trigger on that unless I just want to be contrarian, but no, I've, I've got another question that I want to bring up and relate related to this game. So this number has not come off seven. I think with Gino in, uh, I'm playing the seven. I'm taking the seven with the Seahawks. I'll be on Seahawks Island, but what do you think they, the number is for them on the road, Seattle on the road 
at Dallas next week. Seattle at Dallas, knowing the Cowboys play really well at home and this offense is rolling and there are some key injuries for the Seahawks defense. I'm going to put it around four. Kate? I would have gone four and a half, five. Anywhere four and a half, five and a half. Okay. I thought there would be, I thought it'd be around a similar number, to be honest, because they're at home tonight against San Francisco. So you you have those guys, San Francisco, power rated, and we've seen it head-to-head. I get that. But you see, you have San Francisco that much higher on the road, power rated than the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I okay. think I would. I, I think there's still – a. do we think the Cowboys just beat up on bad opponents and they can run up the score, but once they face someone their own size, do we sort of discount that a little bit more? Not to mention – that you know you're dealing with the same amount of rest and you know is there probably you know some sort of takeaway there you know i i look at that and say can geno smith keep up perhaps you know that that might be the other thing too is you know what will geno smith's health be one week from now uh is it something where that deteriorates and if you kind of anticipate that then definitely i would be picking a different number but i i do think that you know yeah the cowboys are a very public team but they're just not on the same tier, I don't think, in terms of reputation than the 49ers. Okay. What's it at, Paul? Last part. Of the... Are we what? Are we way off? Are we way off? No, it's six. Oh, I never gave the answer. It's six and a half. Cowboys are a six and a half six favorite half. at okay. home. So you guys are both shorter than the market. All right, last part of this exercise. What are the Niners at Philly next week? Ooh. Hmm. <sighs> It, on a neutral field, I would say the Niners would probably be favored by one. So I'm going to say Eagles minus one. I was going to say Niners plus one and a half. So Eagles minus one and a half. Yeah, you guys nailed it. Yeah, it's one and a half, yeah. uh, which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I was just surprised to see the Seahawks are basically the same number on the road as they yeah. are at home with their starting quarterback against the Niners. But maybe... I'll be the idiot tonight when the Niners win by three touchdowns. So that's fine. <laughs> and, and and CMC gets uh, an anytime touchdown at minus three. Yes. So that, first so touchdown, yeah. most likely. And then two plus, and probably uh, right. three plus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So just like our CD lamb prop that we talk about every single week, uh, Christian McCaffrey, alt numbers, uh, wherever you can get them, however you can get them. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, that's a good play there. Uh, as far as Seattle goes, uh, in terms of that offense, anything stand out to you there, Kate? Not really. No. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, honestly, really not. (laughs) Um, it's penalties. That's what, that's what kills Seattle, both sides of the ball. Like they're shooting themselves in the foot. They did it last week. It's kind of been the story throughout the entire season. Like they're putting themselves in, in poor situations in third and longs in, in things like that, that because of a lot of mistakes. So clean those up. And maybe this is a closer game than, than this line is suggesting. But I just can't back that knowing how terrible the Seahawks been with um, those numbers lately. Like 12 penalties for 130 yards last week against the Rams. That's Rams had scoring drives of 68 yards, 75 yards from benefiting from those uh, penalties for Seattle. So, I mean, those were obviously at the def- defensive side of the ball, but same things happening on, on the offensive side. 
Yeah, I'm probably with you. I do have one Seahawks prop that I will save for lightning bets that I think uh, is a good value play here. Uh, but at the same time, like if you don't know what the status is for Geno Smith, then it's really hard to back any one particular receiver there. I know uh, the public loves DK Metcalf over 57 and a half receiving yards. And that is a fairly low number when you consider the talent uh, that is DK Metcalf uh, and going over that number is minus 115. So uh, certainly not expensive to say the least. Uh, but at the same time, though, uh, you know, you really have a hard time backing an injured quarterback, knowing full well that they're kind of forced to do this because of the importance of this game. The Seahawks probably do need to sweep the 49ers if they have any chance of winning the division. And that's going to be a challenge in and of itself. Uh, but also, too, there is a massive drop off between, say, a 60 percent Geno Smith and a 100 percent Drew Locke. It, it, yeah. You watch that game from Sunday and you are reminded of this. There's a reason why Locke has always lost out on quarterback battles, no matter where he's been. And no Kenneth Walker Jr. today. So that right. puts even more pressure on Geno to have to be successful in the passing game. I mean, I know Zach Charbonnet has been fine this season, but I would take Kenneth Walker Jr. over him. So Again, just putting even more pressure on an already injured Geno Smith is not something that I really want to back in this game. As we uh, turn the page to looking at Sunday's games, uh, probably the biggest line movement uh, involves the Saints and the Falcons. New Orleans was a one-point favorite on the road, but but now the Falcons at home, they are one-point favorites. Uh, also some, seeing some one-and-a-halves out there. Uh, what would you attribute the line movement to? I mean, what injuries have popped up since I last looked at this? Is there, that would be the <laughs> only, anything. I mean, what? yeah, what, what moves lines? Injuries, weather, this is played in Atlanta, mm -hmm. like in the dome, there's not much. Um, I don't, right. I don't know the answer to that, Ed, really. I wonder how much of that has to do with this big hip hop party that the Falcons will be hosting uh, at, at the same time as game day here. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen the tweet, but uh, there are a lot of like old school hip hop artists. Yeah, a lot no. of old school hip hop artists uh, who will be coming out in droves uh, for this uh, massive party and the contest and all that good stuff. Uh, so definitely uh, the electricity will be there uh, for a game like this. I have to believe that's that. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think also, too, uh, when it comes to, say, the quarterback issues uh, for New Orleans, uh, maybe there are some additional insights as far as Derek Carr still being in concussion protocol versus Jameis Winston, because this offense is very different uh, depending upon which quarterback you have out there. Uh, Winston will chuck it deep. Maybe that connection with Chris Olave will be a good bit better than it would be with Derek Carr. But with Carr, maybe things are a little bit more reliable and a little bit more efficient. Yeah, Winston, you're, you're guaranteed uh, maybe a couple deep shots downfield and, and that maybe mm -hmm. maybe leads into a touchdown or two. But you're also guaranteed an interception or two thrown by Jameis Winston because he does take more risks than Derek Carr. He does like to throw those deep balls, but a lot of times he's not making the right reads on those and that ends up costing <laughs> the Saints. So I, I don't feel like Winston is necessarily someone you can trust, um, but I, I wouldn't say Carr has been all that great this year either. No, he hasn't. He has not met expectations given all the money thrown at him so that the Saints can win a really, really bad division. At the same time, though, the Falcons have lost to backup quarterbacks and quarterbacks who just showed up 
and they lost to them too. And so maybe the defense for the Falcons leaves something to be desired where it almost doesn't matter who the quarterback is, as long as they understand the playbook and they are competent enough. Uh, then I think that should be just fine there. Uh, as far as other line movements go, uh, the Browns, that's gone from plus two and a half to plus one and a half against the Broncos. You got to love that teaser leg, right? Oh, yeah. I'd say I think you throw that in any any teaser you want this week. Find a pair for that and, and ride that all day. Absolutely. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Evan Gidding shares his 49ers insights prior to their game against the Seahawks. That's right here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Kate Constable here with you. And joining us now is Evan Giddings on the afternoon drive on KGMZ in San Francisco, here to help us preview the 49ers and the Seahawks. Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Greatly appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And you will be celebrating Thanksgiving as we will be, watching the 49ers and the Seahawks. San Francisco's a seven-point favorite here on the road with a total of 43.5. How are you playing it? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on from a selfish perspective. It's really nice out here on the West Coast to have that nightcap at around five o'clock, about the time you're unloosening mm-hmm. your belt, getting the second you know plate of stuffing in. It's just going to be a good time for everyone on Turkey Day. So that's first and foremost. Uh, secondly, I-, I think this is a game that, look, the 49ers have reason to believe that they are the best team in football. Uh, with the way that they are constructed at full health, I think this is a team that has and an understanding of what the goal is, which is the end of the season, which sometimes can make a, a game like this on a short week and a tough venue, a little difficult to play. But to me, I got a hard time betting against this 49ers team at full strength. I know they just lost their, their strong safety talent Ufanga for the season for an ACL. Uh, but this is a Seahawks team. That's also pretty banged up perhaps at the quarterback position as well. Um, so even though it's been historically a tough place to play, I think they've won three out of their last 11 games in Seattle. I still like the 49ers to cover the seven in this game. Yeah, the 49ers have been pretty dominant against the Seahawks uh, as of late. You know, swept them last year, put up some big numbers against them. What is it about this matchup that San Francisco has been able to take advantage of and have so much success with? Well, I think it starts over the middle of the field. And when you're talking about Brock Purdy and his ability to dissect defenses, it's those layered passes right over the top of the linebackers in between the secondary. And when you have Christian McCaffrey, he demands attention from everyone. So there's going to be eight in the box for the Seahawks. I think those linebackers are ones that Kyle Shanahan will try to pick on. Bobby Wagner is a future Hall of Famer, but at this point in his career in pass protection or pass coverage, has not been what he once was. And so I think the 49ers will really try to use utilize that intermediate kind of 15 to 20-yard range that we saw Brock Purdy pretty much pick apart both Jacksonville as well as Tampa Bay with. So, you know, for, for me, I, I think it's just it's really difficult to game plan for this Niners offense when they have the combination of Ayuk, Samuel, uh, McCaffrey, and, of course, Kittle. You just have always an extra weapon on the field that not everyone can be accounted for And when Kyle Shanahan's got his full chest of toys, uh, he's like a mad scientist on the sideline. And it's just really hard to game plan for him. When you look at that quartet uh, who you've already listed off, who do you feel like is the likeliest to go over his receiving props, whether it's yards, receptions, anything like that? 
Well, after what Brandon Ayuk did last week, I think he had five for 156. Kittle has had a lot of big plays in recent weeks. The guy that I'm looking at is Debo Samuel. And I think it's because the Seahawks understand, maybe better than most, just because it's a divisional game, that they're going to try and get after the quarterback, and the ball is going to have to come out quick. One thing that I think that the Seahawks could do with a better defensive line this year um, is attack a, a relatively weak offensive line right now. Aaron Banks, the left guard, is going to be out probably for this game. Spencer Burford has been a limited participant all week at the other guard position. So you're down a couple of offensive linemen on an offensive line that was already maybe the most compromised group on this team. So for me, that means Brock Purdy's got to get the ball out quick. And who's the guy that gets to gets the ball outside of his running back? It's Debo Samuel. So when number 19 is near the line of scrimmage, I think he's a guy that's going to be getting active after the catch. And for me, if I'm looking at any of those four guys, I guess the, the three receivers, including Kittle, uh, Debo Samuel's the one I got my eyes on. Looking at the total here, 43 and a half. Uh, the Seahawks, they have a banged up Geno Smith, no Kenneth Walker Jr., how many points realistically are you thinking they're going to get on the board today? Is it going to be enough where this total can go over this afternoon? I think the only path to victory for Seattle is a shootout. And so from if you if you like Seattle in this game, I think you play the over. But for me, I'm, I'm taking the under in this game. I think the Niners have a defense right now that is playing some of its best football. Uh, the addition of Chase Young a couple of weeks ago has done wonders for the likes of Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and Javon Hargrave up front. And when you get one-on-ones with those defensive linemen, they become very difficult to stop. And so, you know, five sacks last week, a couple of sacks the week before against Trevor Lawrence. I think it's a defense that is starting to figure out how to get pressure on quarterbacks. And Geno Smith is one that, although is a little mobile to me is not one that's going to be able to skate the likes of those four elite pass rushers when they get to pin their ears back. So I, I lean the, the the seven for the Niners in this game, as well as the under, because I, I just find it difficult to believe that the Seahawks are going to be able to put up a bunch of points. This is a slight digression uh, from the game itself, but I'm curious the way the 49ers are constructed, why they've had so much success, say, against the Dallas Cowboys and other really good teams in the NFC. Uh, what is it about this team to where no matter the matchup against really good competition, they always find a way to win or almost always find a way to win? Sure. I mean, I, th I think it starts with the head coach. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has always been someone to keep you in football games. Now, the question is, has he been a head coach to, in the biggest of games, either close out or help you come back? And that's a question he still has to answer and why everyone's looking forward to the postseason when it comes to the 49ers. But in regular season affairs, I mean, you go back to week five, Sunday night football, that Dallas Cowboys team got absolutely decimated. And at the time was the number one or number two ranked defense in football. To me, it's because when the 49ers offensively get ahead, when they play with the script, they are, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful term, but they are the best front runners in football. If you find yourselves down by 10 points to the 49ers, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because you're pretty much guessing defensively the entirety of the game. When you have someone like Christian McCaffrey that can get busy out of the backfield, 
or can run routes out of the backfield. You're just simply sitting there saying, I do not know what this offense is going to throw at me. And Brock Purdy, to his credit, has been probably, I would say, the most elite you know, pre-snap quarterback of understanding where the ball needs to go. And that's the reason why you look up at virtually every quarterback metric and this dude is at the top of it or near of it. And last week is coming off a perfect passer rating. I think right now this offense at full strength will hum against any football team. And the question is, can they stay healthy? Because that to me is their biggest question if you're looking at the big boys they're going to have to face, including tonight against Seattle, but also specifically next week in Philadelphia. So Brock Purdy, 13 to one to win MVP. We've had this conversation throughout the show. Uh, I know Ed and the crew, the usual weekday crew talk about it all the time. Is there a case for Purdy to win MVP this season? There is. And I think it's because of you know the, the lack of other elite quarterback play. I mean, Brock Purdy has been absolutely fantastic and you look at the body of work i know people will pinpoint those three weeks in which they fell to the browns the vikings as well as the Bengals. but if you look at his body of work nobody is playing at a higher level efficiency wise than brock purdy if you're talking about completion percentage number one you're talking about passer rating number one you're talking about qbr number one so when Brock Purdy has everyone at his disposal in which he's got Debo Samuel back, he's got his left tackle, Trent Williams, um, he looks like he's just a maestro back there in the pocket. If you give him even a little bit of time, this is a guy that's going to be able to move the ball aggressively down the field. Number one passer as far as air yards, 20 plus down the field. So he can activate a different kind of dynamic of this offense that we haven't seen before. And that comes to you know his his credit his certainly his doorstep when it comes to credit but also for Brock Purdy when it comes to the MVP conversation he's going to be on a team that's going to be there and competing for the one seed so if you're looking at wins you're looking at production and you're looking at value now might be the time to hop on number 13's train when you're talking about the MVP couldn't agree with you more there. Uh, also, the metrics out there that are indicative and predictive when it comes to MVP, Purdy's leading that as well. And you can't just ignore that because maybe you didn't believe in him at the start of the season or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, he he has taken several steps forward this season. So completely agree there's some good value there. Uh, also, too, when we're talking about Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey with the second shortest odds at plus 175. I get we're in this era where we don't, want to believe in running backs but i do wonder if voters say you know what we still want running backs to matter and christian mccaffrey has been the best one in football this year do you feel like at plus 175 there's a good case to be made for making that bet uh or maybe the number isn't quite right but he should still win the honor well, Christian McCaffrey is probably the biggest detractor to Brock Purdy's MVP case because I think a lot of people believe that number 23 is the cog that makes that machine go. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at the guy in front of him, it's it, it's hard to overstate the impact that a guy like Tyreek Hill has had. If there is going to be a running back that's in that conversation, it will and should be Christian McCaffrey because as much as the devaluation of the position has been a big storyline in recent years. The guy who is the exception to the rule is Christian McCaffrey. And the only thing that has stopped him from producing at an all-pro and elite level throughout his career, not just in San Francisco, has been injury. So outside of two seasons, Christian McCaffrey has been the best running back in football pretty much since he stepped into the league. If you look at 
what he's done so far. And this season, I see no reason to believe that he can't continue to do the same thing. And he's in an offense that complements him, and his skill set complements them. This is a Kyle Shanahan-led offense that, even though they do have some other capable running backs, Debo Samuel can get busy out of the backfield, it all runs through Christian McCaffrey. So he's going to get his 20 to 25 touches per game. He's probably going to find his way into the end zone tonight, if not once, then maybe twice. And I expect him to continue to do that throughout the season. So at the end of the year, you're looking up, and the 49ers are a two seed. Potentially, they got you know reason to believe they might be able to get to the one. And Christian McCaffrey is leading you know virtually every running category by a long shot. I I, I mean I think 175 right now the juice is is maybe a little high. Uh, but if that slips at all, I would pounce on that in an in an instant. Evan, the other games we have uh, today, Lions and Packers starting in, what is it, about an hour here. Um, yeah. Any play in that game? This line's all the way up to it. Lions minus eight and a half now. Is is that a doable number for them to cover? I think it is. And look, I also think, too, that the Packers are riding high off of a, a late you know, rally against the Chargers at home. Big win for them. I don't know how much it necessarily moves the needle as far as the division but it does give them hope for a playoff shot uh but i think the detroit lions are i mean i know everyone talks about philadelphia and san francisco and dallas because those are the teams that have been there before but this is a lions team that i think is built to win in the trenches and perhaps even in the playoffs because of how good that running game is so eight and a half to me it might seem a little high to most i don't think it is if i, if I was to play a side in this game it would be the lions minus eight and a half how about the Cowboys and the Commanders? Uh, this line is continuing to move to, to something outrageous. Uh, we're now up to 13 and a half uh, for the Cowboys. Mm. What do you like there? Uh, I, I might be bucking a trend a little bit. Um, I know the Cowboys, when they've been two touchdown favorites, have, I think, covered both. Uh, but I, I like Washington in this game. I, I When I've continued to watch Sam Howell play with – honestly not a lot around him especially on the defensive side of the football he finds a way to keep you in games and anytime you got a gunslinger that I know that it was a terrible loss last week to the Giants and and to a Tommy DeVito led offense but I just I think what Washington does is drag teams into the mud that are better than them and I think they play to their level of competition and so I think against a team like Dallas in a division game this is one that the Cowboys will win but I could see a late backdoor cover here. I could see the Washington Commanders just sticking within a touchdown for the majority of the game. I like them to cover the plus 13 and a half. That's that's too many points for me. How about CeeDee Lamb props? That's something that uh, I'm on. I think Ed is also on it in some way, shape, or form. Would you would you target a CD, you know, receiving yards over, receptions, anytime touchdown, anything for him? Yeah, I mean, CeeDee Lamb the last few weeks, number 88 just pretty much rolled out of bed and has walked into a buck 20 as far as receiving and and it's it's awesome now to see Dak Prescott the level that he's playing at I think a lot of 49ers fans out here in the Bay had kind of dismissed him just because of the week five dud as well as the divisional game last year but Dak Prescott it, you know we're talking about MVP odds um, I don't think he'll win it but he's someone you could look at as well with how he's throwing the football and the numbers that that offense is putting up and it's all pretty much been running through CD Lamb so I would like the over on yards. Uh, to me, anytime touchdown, I, I know he's been active in the end zone lately, but yeah, I, I would probably focus elsewhere as far as value is concerned. But the over on receiving yards, I would absolutely hammer when it comes to CeeDee Lamb because 
it feels like, especially against a secondary that's pretty compromised, a defensive line that hasn't gotten pressure since they dealt two of their best rushers. Um, I think it's going to be a long day in the secondary for Washington, and it's probably going to be because of number 88. Got about 60 seconds left here with the 49ers playing tonight. How does that impact this year's Thanksgiving plans for you? <laughs> um, well, actually, after I hop off here, I'll head down to uh, to the radio station. Going to do our, our pregame show, three-hour pregame show from 2 o'clock up until 5 o'clock Pacific time. And then I'll, I'll hop off. I get a chance to, to roll back to the house, watch the game. I'll have a plate of food hopefully ready for me. But really, honestly, I'm just looking for that sweet potato pie. I mean, just give me all the yams, give mm. me some of the stuffing, and give me the sweet potato pie. That's what I'm looking forward to. And hopefully a Niners win and a cover. Nicely done. Sweet potato pie underrated on the power rankings. Nicely done. Evan Giddings on the afternoon drive on KGMZ in San Francisco. Thank you so much for your time. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next are lightning bets right here on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Kate Constable with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, Kate, I have a college basketball question for you. And maybe it's more a question of sanity than it is anything else. Because yesterday, as I do every Thanksgiving week, I like to stick to college basketball, have it on the TV pretty much the whole day, every day of the week, up until I get to Thursday. Then, of course, it's all about football. But I'm watching the early games all the way through the night games until I go to bed. And I watched the Maui Invitational Championship. I watched Purdue win it all. I watched Jaden Ivey try to get contained. He was still able to to break through and get his double-double. And I'm starting to feel like a mosquito flying into that blue light, getting enamored by Purdue all over again, knowing full well that they have a really bad reputation once they get to the NCAA tournament. Should you be talking me out of placing Purdue futures bets right now? Yes, I should. I definitely should, and I will. Do you not remember them getting knocked out of the first round? A number one seed upset by a 16 seed? Purdue's a great regular season team. They're probably going to win the regular season Big Ten championship, maybe even the tournament. Paul doesn't agree with me. shaking his head behind the scenes. I don't trust Purdue in the the NCAA tournament. Haven't? What have they done in the last... 10 years in the tournament. They have, they okay. have the best player in college basketball. Decky. I was shaking my head at Ed. I, I agree with you. Oh, okay, good. Good. I was going to say, Paul, we maybe need oh, to have okay. a sidebar right, because, yeah, no, Ed, off Purdue. No, you can like him during the regular no, season. Okay, so here's my question. Like, I remember that game. Like, it was a bad game for Purdue, and yes, like, if you're a one seed, that should never, ever, ever happen. Yes, I completely agree with all that. My question is, okay, Over the course of the NCAA tournament over the last several years, what is it specifically about Purdue where they just can't hang in such games? Like, it can't just be, all right, they're nervous about the tournament. Like, I need something a little bit more substantial than that. Like, is it about style of play? Is it, okay, a big man doesn't perform as well because of three-point shooting, whatever it is. Like, it's something specific about their style of play that's bad for the tournament. Zach Eady's going to put up numbers. He's also soft. They're beating the hell yeah. out of him last night. Like, I, I, and I think at a certain point that that comes home on you, like in a tournament, in mm-hmm. 
do or die situation. The, team, the other team's out for blood. I just like, look, yeah, he's going to probably win the award, you know, player of the year award again. They'll be a top seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, as I was, and I was on Marquette, thank God for three and a half. Thank you for the hook. Um, but I, it just seemed like, yeah, he had the, the numbers were there, but just watching the game, like people are coming, Marquette might have the play, like they're coming around the, like his blind side, stripping the ball away from him, beating him up a little bit. Numbers were there. You can't complain about the numbers. It was a big game for him. I just think at a certain point, that's mm-hmm. going to bite them. Yeah, and Maybe last year, wearing down by that tournament point. Yeah, is extremely important. And they mm-hmm. were two freshman guards last year. So maybe this year, a little bit more experience. But last year, that was also kind of an issue because typically it's the guard teams with the most dominant guards that oftentimes goes deep into the tournament. Um, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, stylistically produced, just not great in March. Yeah. I meant to say Zach Eady earlier, but yes, I, that I think can make more sense in terms of, okay, are they focusing on the backcourt a good bit more? If you look at their backcourt numbers and say they are significantly better than they were last year, does that turn things around for Purdue? Maybe that's how I should be looking at things. And maybe I have a little bit more of an open mind when it comes to Purdue in the NCAA tournament, but maybe it's just the guard play I need to be focusing on more than just being enamored by Zach Eady. Yeah, guard play, yes, especially in the tournament. Zach Eady, it's, it's odd because like Luca Garza from Iowa was the national player of the year. It, sometimes that play just doesn't translate to the next level and i know the tournament isn't the next level but like i don't think zach Eady mm-hmm. is going to be a, a a great nba player so he's dominant right. during the regular season of, of college basketball but once mm-hmm. things kind of you know go up and in, in level a little bit some of those players don't necessarily uh turn out he's the high school guy who always goes back to his hometown and reminisces about the good old days knowing full well that the next level just wasn't for him so that i agree with you exactly. uh, there absolutely like Edie's probably not going to be a great NBA talent. but anyway okay uh so i've mentioned yesterday uh some of the key bets that i have uh for thanksgiving but i do have a couple of additional props i want to share with you as far as how to bet on uh our thanksgiving slate uh, starting with the Cowboys, uh, Kate, I'm telling you here, over team total 30 and a half. Uh, they've been really good at going over their numbers uh, at home offensively. So I think they can do that again here, especially if we're talking about CeeDee Lamb going nuts and having a touchdown and uh, being able to utilize Brandon Cooks a good bit more. Jake Ferguson still being a, a, a massive commodity. And then also going to the backups once this game is at hand. Definitely think they can get to at least 31 points. So I like that one. Uh, also in the game, we had Brad Spielberger on yesterday for his weekly appearance. And he talked about uh, Oso Odigizua getting at least half a sack. And I love this one. I'm definitely taking this one at plus 140 to record at least half a sack. He has recorded 14 quarterback pressures when double team. That's tied for third most in the NFL. You would think that it would be all about containing Micah Parsons and maybe to a lesser extent Demarcus Lawrence. But no, Osa Adigizua is also getting a lot of respect. That reputation is certainly preceding him, and he's still able to record a lot of quarterback pressures. And so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's able to not just get a few uh, pressures, but get at least one sack on a sack-happy quarterback in Sam Howell. So that one, I think, makes a whole lot of sense. Plus, there's just better value with him recording a sack. Uh, versus Parsons or Tank. 
And then as far as the 49ers Seahawks game, one prop I like in Seattle's direction. We mentioned before Kenneth Walker being out. And so this is going to be the Zach Charbonnet show as far as that backfield is concerned. I'm not expecting much of a drop off here. I think Charbonnet can play really well. Uh, when you look at rushing yards over expected, he leads at a half a yard per carry over expected. Walker's in the red there. He hasn't been as efficient. Uh, success rate for Charbonnet is roughly six and a half percentage points higher than his counterpart. He has hit behind the line of scrimmage more, yes, but he's also way better in the open field, averaging one more yard after contact per carry. Obviously, when you're talking about a backup a running back, workload is a concern here. But 54 and a half rushing yards when he's the primary back, I don't think that's a big number uh, as far as the expectations. And so I would go over the 54 and a half rushing yards for Zach Charbonnet. Kate. Ooh, I, I like that, Ed. Um, you mentioned my team total for the Cowboys, over 30 and a half. I'm going to take that with you as well. Um, I'm going to tease the Lions and see, um, not the Seahawks, the Lions and um, San Francisco, the Niners. Mm -hmm. uh, throw those in a tease. Can I still get like, I, I teased this when the Lions were at seven and a half. Can I still get that number here for the Lightning bets or do I have to take it at the eight and a half here? What are the rules? At the time of the I announcement, I believe it's how it works, Paul. Yeah. The team is on the, the floor. So. What yeah, does that put me at? A six point teaser put me at two and a half? Two and a half. You're inside so, of so three. it's still a long okay, teaser. Fine. Yeah. That's under three. I'll, do, yeah, so I'll still, still okay. do Lions in my yeah. teaser. With uh, with the with the Niners, throw that in there for me, um, and then I'm gonna mm -hmm. go with Jameer Gibbs over rushing and receiving. Seventy-eight and a half. Uh, there are some out there. This might at BetMGM. I think this is up to eighty-one and a half. Which I will play the rules mm -hmm. fairly. BetMGM. I have to take their number, so I'll take that at eighty-one. Right. Uh, and then I'm going over on uh, CD Lamb. Uh, his uh, receiving. 91 and a half receiving yards for CD Lamb. Those are my, what is that? Three, four bets. Cowboys total, teaser, Lamb, Gibbs. There you go. Paul? All right, I'll throw in a little college hoops that starts in less than 10 minutes. So big revenge game for Buzz <laughs> Williams and the uh, Buzz Williams and the Aggies against Penn State. Except it's not really. They lost like four starters. It's a new coach, kind of new program. Penn State played at a really slow pace last year. All of a sudden, they're trying to run it up and down the floor this year. Was the Aggies can't really shoot worth of anything. If anything, that's going to be what holds them back this year. So Penn State played. They haven't played anyone, but their defensive numbers still look pretty good. And like new coach, new system, new players trying to figure that all out against a A&M team that likes to play good defense as well, plays slow and can't really shoot. I think they play this game in the 60s. So under 136 and a half is my play there. Uh, early game. I'm going to, I guess Brad was a pretty good guest this week. He's a great guest every week, obviously. But he mentioned Christian Watson, like some numbers on him to be, to lead the, that game in receiving yards. I'm going to go with 80 plus at plus 475. I think that's a great number. And it's, you know, he's with the injuries they've got going on over there. I just think, look, every week's supposed to be a Christian Watson game, but you're not asking for a hundred plus. There's some juicy numbers out there on that, but 80 plus plus 475 for Christian Watson. I will take the monster dog, Washington. Maybe it gets up to 14. You can definitely wait. I don't think it's going back the other way, but I will take the 13 and a half right here. And then. Logan Thomas, I mentioned the Cowboys kind of susceptible to tight ends. Could be a garbage tight end touchdown. I don't care. It still counts. Plus 420. 
for Logan Thomas to get in the end zone against the Cowboys. And then taking the Seahawks, plus seven. I mean, just, just a picture. Wow. The year is 2023. It's today. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> the Cowboys have dominated. The Lions have dominated. And there is only one man that can save the sports books from all going bankrupt. And that man is Geno Smith. So Seattle plus seven. Uh, I just think this number is a little too seven. That seems a little high to me. So, and then if you want one bomb, because of course you do, it's Thanksgiving. Colby Parkinson, actually the third in red zone targets behind DK and Tyler Lockett. There's a 13 to one on him out there for an anytime touchdown in any time touchdown. So wow. I'll be playing that as well. There's like an eight to one. There's also a 13 to one. I thought you were going to channel your inner Jake Bobo there for a second. No, I, that's Joe's guy. I got to go different. Okay. Okay, fair enough. By the way, how quickly will the social media team post our picks uh, if that call of going under works out? Which one? Uh, your college your... basketball bet that starts in five minutes. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll send them over ASAP, so we'll see. Yeah, but that one the, works it's out. It's for the true listeners. It's for the true right. listeners. Yeah, fair viewers. enough. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. For those listening, next up is Jim Rome. For those watching on Twitch and YouTube, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.